Hey, welcome to The Quest. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. We know that you have busy days. You got a lot of activity going on in your day. The fact that you made time for us means a whole lot. We don't take that for granted, especially if you're checking us out. If you're checking us out, we just want to encourage you to scan the QR code. That QR code will pop up a link. That link will help answer some of the questions that you might have about who we are as a church. It might even help you connect with us if that's something that you want to do. We also understand that not everybody wants to connect with us. So in whatever capacity you want to engage with us, we want to be available for that. Thank you for being with us, all of you. I also want to remind everybody that all of our talks are available in podcast form. All you have to do is search Fresno Quest Church on any of the podcast platforms and you'll find us there. Hey, before we get into the talk, how about if we pray together? It's always a great thing to invite God into the activity of our lives. Whatever's going on today, I mean, whatever you're dealing with in your heart, this is a great time to invite God to teach you what He wants you to learn, to allow God to do what He wants to do in your life. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all of the things that are going on in our day, though sometimes they're overwhelming, though sometimes the pressure seems too great. Father, you are so wonderful to provide for us all that we have, and I thank you so much for each person that's listening. Whatever the activity is going on in their life, whatever the things are that they're dealing with, Father, today I just give you their hearts, and I ask that you would step into the chaos that you would just speak peace. I ask that you would bring new life and new passion for life. Father, we just surrender our hearts to you today. We ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you would help us. And Father, may this talk, may it open our hearts to you and may it draw us closer to you, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited about this series that we're in called Stand. It's getting more and more difficult to live in a world that is at odds with our beliefs. And because it's difficult living a godly life in an ungodly culture, when we're pushed to the limits in this tension, we're forced to make a choice. Are we going to take the path of least resistance and compromise, or are we going to have the courage to stand? The scripture encourages us to stand in hard times, in godless times, and in a godless culture. So if we're going to stand effectively, something that you want to write down is this. How we stand is just as important as what we stand for. Some people stand for God, but they stand with an arrogance and a judgment, with criticism, sometimes even anger, which doesn't reflect God. So how we stand is important. Remember, the scripture that we've been looking at in this series is found in 1 Corinthians, where Paul says this. He says, be on your guard. Pay attention. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Don't be a jerk about it. Do everything in love. That scripture is really important for us as Christ followers. When it's difficult to live a godly life in an ungodly culture, we have to learn to stand firm. Not just in our faith, but we have to stand in love. In fact, another point that you can write down is this. We can't be effective in our stand for God when we love this world. We want our stand for God to speak about God, to show His love, His goodness, His kindness. Our love for the world will prevent us from displaying God's love in our lives. We, we can't love God and the world. Listen to the description first. John. It says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Our stand with God has to be in His love. And this is really important for what we're looking at today. Today we're looking at confronting others. How do we do that well? Not just do it, but how do we do it well? How do we do it effectively? In a culture of compromise, how do we stand for what is true? 
How do we confront compromise or sin in the right way? Because we live in the culture that compromises, we are also around people that compromise. But you know, I also want to remind us that compromise may be a part of your life too. It's something that we all have to watch. Not only do we have to confront sin, but we have to allow confrontation into our lives. We have to allow others to speak into our lives. So when we're in a culture of compromise around people that compromise, there's going to be opportunities where we're going to be compelled to speak truth into the lives of people that we love. Maybe they bought into a lie. Maybe they strayed from the truth or maybe we, they're on a path that we know is not good for them in the long run. So when those opportunities are around us, we have to do this well and effectively. And you might say, why say anything at all? Just keep your mouth shut. Let them live their lives. We live our lives. Remember, God compels us to do all we can to protect people that he loves, protect people that we love. I mean, that's what love's all about. The scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, you know it, but it says love always protects. So as we seek to protect others in confrontation, how do we do this right? How do we do this well? Because we've all been on the receiving end of it not going well. How do we warn people and help people without hurting people? How do we present the truth in love? I believe it comes from living a life that is balanced with truth and love, like Jesus did. Listen to what scripture says about Jesus in John 1.14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It wasn't just truth, it wasn't just grace, it was the balance of both. There's going to come a time that someone you love, a family member, a friend, someone you care about, is going down a destructive path. You want to help, you want to speak truth, but how do we do that? This is where Daniel chapter 4 gives us a playbook of how to do this right, how to do this well. What happens to Daniel is he doesn't just have to confront anybody, he has to confront the king. And you can only imagine how difficult that would be in the culture that he lived in. Daniel shows us four keys for confronting God's way. We're going to start in Daniel 4.4 and it starts like this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, interesting chapter and fun fact in this chapter, Daniel chapter 4 is the only chapter in the entire Bible that is written by a pagan king. These are King Nebuchadnezzar's first-hand notes of what happened in this confrontation. So he says, I was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. In other words, everything was going good. One of the things that we see in Nebuchadnezzar's life is this spirit of pride became his downfall. And it built up over the years. When you live in comfort and prosperity for years and years, it's easy to develop an attitude that says, I don't need God, I'm fine on my own. I've got this. As we have been looking at the culture that Daniel faced, this is very similar to where America is at right now. We have lived in prosperity and comfort for so many years that many have become prideful and believed we don't need God. We've tried to take him out of the schools. We've done all we can to remove him from our culture because we're fine just on our own. This is exactly where King Nebuchadnezzar finds himself and God is about to get his attention. Watch how he does it. Remember, this is from King Nebuchadnezzar's own mouth. And it goes on to say this, But one night I had a dream that frightened me and I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So Nebuchadnezzar has this dream that freaks him out and makes him upset. 
I want to encourage you to on your own read Daniel chapter 4 so you can read about this dream. I'm just going to give you the highlights and the cliff notes about it. The dream basically was about a tree that grew up from the earth. It's the largest tree in the world and it's grown up into the heavens. The tree is spectacular. It's huge. It's amazing. And the tree represents the largest kingdom on the earth, which was Babylon. And out of nowhere in this dream, a messenger comes to Nebuchadnezzar and chops down that tree and leaves only a small stump. And the messenger from heaven says this, This is a message that God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the world. He can chop them down at any moment and he can give them to whomever he wants. So King Nebuchadnezzar is freaked out and he calls all of his wise men and fortune tellers and he tells them this dream and he says, Interpret this dream for me. And what's funny is probably a fourth grader could have interpreted the dream. I mean, Babylon is the biggest and most prosperous nation in the world at that time. The king is prideful and God's going to chop him down. I want to add something here right now. It's not about confrontation, but it is about pride. If we allow pride into our life and not grace towards others, you should write this down. God will allow us to go through difficult and heartbreaking circumstances until we learn humility. Many people are going through tough times in their lives because they are in God's schoolhouse learning humility. God's dealing with our pride. Wherever there's pride, God's always going to deal with it. I just want to remind you, when we're talking about how we stand, how we engage with others, this pride issue is a very big deal. So the king asked all of his wise men and fortune tellers, tell me what this dream means. And you know what they said? I don't know. We don't have a clue. Understand this. When you read your history books, what you discover in those times is many kings and leaders would kill those who were the bearer of bad news. They thought if they could kill the people who gave the bad news, it would prevent the bad news from actually happening. So these guys are no help to him. They don't know what the dream means. They probably do. They're just afraid to say anything. So Nebuchadnezzar gets frustrated and he calls in his top guy and his top guy is Daniel. He says, Daniel, you're the smartest guy I've got. Here's my dream. Tell me what it means. Tell me what I have to do. Remember, Daniel had already interpreted one of King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams in chapter 2. It was a good dream, had good results. Daniel has this big dilemma. What is he supposed to do? Does he confront the king and tell him that his pride is about to become his downfall? Does he tell the truth or does he jump on the bandwagon with everybody else and say, I don't know what the dream means either. You understand the dilemma that Daniel's in because we face this dilemma as well. With people around you, people that you love, people that you care about. There's something going on in their lives that you know is going to bring destruction to their family or to their marriage. Or maybe you have a child that's going down a destructive path. Do you tell the truth? Do you keep your mouth shut? What Daniel does in this scenario is the playbook for confrontation done right. If you're taking notes, the first thing that we see that's important is this. Relationship needs to be the context of confrontation. Relationship is the context of confrontation done right. Without relationship, confrontation goes wrong quickly. Love is required for confrontation to be done right. When Daniel was captured in Babylon and taken as slave in chapter 1, Daniel was about 14 to 16 years old. He was just a teenager. But now in this story, Daniel's about 45 to 50 years old. That means he has served the king and developed a relationship with the king for over 30 years. Relationship matters if you're going to confront someone. Without relationship, confrontation goes south really quick. 
Josh McDowell says it this way. He says, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Truth without relationship leads to rejection. This same principle is true with parenting. If we don't invest in relationship with our kids, I mean, spending time with them, face-to-face time, investing in loving them, listening to them, knowing them, when we want to speak into their lives, it's going to be rejected because we've not invested in relationship. This is why investing in relationships with people in general is so important because you never know when God is going to give you the opportunity to speak into someone's life. And without relationship, it won't work. Listen, there will be times that God is going to lead you to confront someone that you don't have a relationship with. Those times do happen, but they are the exception, not the norm. And even when we have those kind of confrontation, these same principles that we're talking about today really do matter. So let me give you a question that maybe you should ask yourself before you confront somebody, and that question is this. Have I invested in a relationship with this person I'm, I'm confronting? Just because you're friends on social media doesn't mean you have a relationship with them. Relationships result from doing life with people. And by the way, confronting others on social media in front of everyone, that doesn't work either. A lot of people think, all I have to do is speak the truth. But remember, truth requires grace or it comes across like judgment. So if relationships are the context of confrontation, the second thing we learn from Daniel is this. Restoration should be the goal of confrontation. The goal in confronting anyone is helping them. Many people enter into confrontation to be right or to be heard. You really see this issue in a marriage or in parenting. People use confrontation as a power tool. We use confrontation to have power over others so that we can be right, understood, and heard. Just remember, confrontation should be about rebuilding and helping others. Listen, in your confrontation, you might be completely right, but a wrong attitude in you that seeks to be right makes you wrong. Let me give you another question you can ask yourselves before you enter into confrontation with someone, and that's this. Am I confronting to be right or for restoration? Do I have an attitude in this confrontation? Is my goal right? And how do I know if this goal is right? I think Galatians 6.1 really speaks to this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Gently and humbly seeking to help, not trying to fix. I'm going to show you how Daniel does this. He has watched the king for years and he's watched him become more and more prideful. But listen to how Daniel deals with this and watch how he approaches the king. It says, at first Daniel, who had been named Belteshazzar in Babylon, was upset In other words, he was broken and upset about this dream for the king because he cares about the king. The thoughts that came swarming into his mind terrified him. Now listen to his heart. Daniel replied, I wish that the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. He's saying, I wish this dream was about others, not you. I wish this wouldn't happen to you. Maybe your enemies, yes, but not you. A lot of times when we confront people, we treat them as if they're the enemy. And we would be glad if the worst happened to them. That's not effective confrontation. That's not the right heart. 
Daniel wants the king restored and protected. So something else we see when restoration is the goal, and that's this. Humility is the posture of effective confrontation. Humility is the posture of effective confrontation. This is something we see from Daniel throughout the book in his life. Humility is his posture. He's not cocky. He's not holier than thou. He doesn't have an attitude like, well, you get what you deserved. And if you'd have just listened to me, none of this would happen. You don't hear him say, man, I don't even know why I try to help you. You never listen. And this is so big. And let me tell you why this is important. You can write it down. Whenever you confront sin in someone, the root is always pride. Whenever there is a confrontation that you have, you're pointing out something that's going on in their life and it's a sin. They're going down a destructive path. It's an affair. It can be pornography. It can be compromising. It can be attitudes. It can be any sin in life. The root issue is, God, I don't care what you say. I can live my life the way I want and the way I think is right. And that's exactly what pride is. A lot of times when we confront people that we love, they don't want to listen to us it's because they think that what they're doing is okay and it's right. And that is a pride issue. And here is the danger that we face in this. If we confront pride with pride, it always divides. If you confront pride in someone else and you have pride in your life, it destroys you and them. I want to read Galatians 6.1 again. I want you to listen to it. The last part especially. It says, You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. When we confront others with pride, we enter into sin ourselves. Because pride is a sin. So the question that we need to ask before confronting anyone is this. Am I confronting with pride or humility? Are you going to confront with pride because you're right and they're wrong? Or are you confronting with humility and with grace? And how do you know? Well, you know by this, and it's another feeling you can write down. If you're looking forward to confronting the person, you're probably not ready. If you're thinking, I can't wait for the opportunity to tell them, if I get this opportunity, I'm going to set things right, that's for sure. You're probably not ready. Humility is a brokenness for this person that you care about. So you probably need to pause first and allow God to break your heart for them before you confront them. You need to spend time in prayer for them. Consider where their life is headed in the long run with the decisions that they've made. Let it break your heart so that you can respond with compassion. I want to show you what Daniel does next. It's the last point. Daniel says this, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. He's saying, King, there is hope. He goes on to say, look, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Look at his compassion. He's saying, please listen for your good, King. Please hear me. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. And it may be that then your prosperity will continue. Look what Daniel's doing. It's the fourth key in effective confrontation. And it's this, hope has to be given for confrontation to sink in. Daniel is dishing out hope for the king and his future. He's not dishing out judgment. Listen, you can do everything right, 
But if all you do is tell the person how wrong they are, all you've done is humiliate them. One of the greatest things that we as Christians have is hope. If we don't give others hope, they will not experience change, which is the goal of confrontation, right? I think that many Christians just tell the world how wrong they are and how bad they are. And I believe that we as Christians should have a different posture. We should give hope to the world because that's what we have as Christians. That's what fills our hearts as Christians. So the important question we need to ask before we confront is this. Am I confronting to provide hope or humiliation? Are you giving people a desired expectation and an anticipation of something that they could not imagine on their own? Listen, if we will do these four things, we will be amazed at how God will use us. Ask God to give your heart compassion for others. Ask God to help you to be less judgmental, to have love and compassion. Start praying for the individuals that you know God is speaking to you about and ask for grace to be shared with the truth. See, here's the issue. We know what's right. God's Spirit who lives within us, He speaks to us. We know what's true. We know the Word of God and we know our lives are about God. So we know what is right and when we see something going wrong, when we see people on a destructive path, we want to share hope. We want to share healing. We want to share truth covered in grace. But if we don't have relationship with God, we don't have hope ourselves. We can't share hope if we don't have this relationship. If that's you and you don't have a relationship with God, I want to encourage you today to change that to ask God to be the center of your life and to give your life purpose, to ask God to wash your life clean, to remove the desires for a destructive life, a sin-filled life, and to put within your heart a desire to please God. That's what He wants to do. He created you for relationship. And this is a great time to ask God to be the center of your life and to give you purpose and to provide the forgiveness in your life that you need. All you have to do is accept Jesus as the Son of God, the one who died on the cross for your sins, the one who rose from the grave and conquered death. So let's pray together. Can we do that? Father, we love you so very much. And if we come to you right now, you know each of our hearts, you know each person that's listening and those that might be just checking this out. People that you have led here today, no one is here by accident. Father, I ask that you would help each person that's listening to make you the center of their lives. Father, I ask that you would help us because we know that we live in a world of compromise and we want to speak truth in love. We want the truth that you've put within us to be covered with grace. Father, help us to apply these principles, these keys into helping those that we love. Father, first and foremost, remove in us any judgment that would hinder us effectively sharing your truth with others. Father, fill us with love, and may love and compassion flow out of us. May we give hope and healing. Father, give us courage to stand for what is right, to stand for what is true. But give us love as we stand with you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a big issue that all of us face. It's an issue that we need to address constantly in our lives. We don't come across as being right. We don't come across as trying to fix other people. We don't come across like we don't have our faults. As I said in the beginning, if you are going to confront others, then you have to also be willing to be confronted. You also need to be open 
to someone speaking into your life if they see anything. And you need to have the right heart to receive it. This happens in relationship. And these kind of relationships are discovered in small groups. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, that you would get into a small group. And if you're not, all you have to do is scan the QR code that's right there. And that QR code will pop up a link. That link will give you information about the connection groups and provide you contact information with leadership so that you can get into a group of people that will love you, pray with you, support you, encourage you, and inspire you to a life of godliness, to a life that pleases God. It will connect you with people that you can do life with and have relationship with. They're groups of hope is what they are because we're constantly pointing people to Jesus. As I do every week, I also want to thank all of you for your financial gifts. For those of you that give to the Quest financially, thank you so very much. In whatever capacity you give, just know that your giving is appreciated and necessary and needed at the church. We thank you so much for your generosity. If you have any needs and you want someone to pray with you, you'd like to give online, whatever it might be, again, this QR code is that way that you can connect with us and you can give online. If you have a prayer need in your life, you want someone to pray with you, just scan the QR code and fill that out and we will get in contact with you. We will also share that information if you want with other people and have other people be praying for you as well. Listen, thank you guys so much for being with us. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Thank you for being a part of the quest. We hope you have a great rest of your week. God's best to you. We'll see you next week.